The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's not another Buffalo podcast. The bi-weekly show hosted by three of the most underqualified sports personalities this side of the canal. With John. Roy Kent is like the best character in that show. Oh, he is. That man. boy. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you sound like Roy Kent. Are you serious? Uh, dude. You've been holding out on us. Brando. The dude's 45 years old today. I'm not going to say happy birthday to him because I hope he had a bad birthday. I hope he blew out a candle over an avocado and then didn't eat it and it's just miserable. And Pat. Reed Ferguson was trying to whip it. He did. Throws a football like I do, but like, you know. <laughs> There's a clear <laughs> drop off, I would say, on Buffalo Rumblings. All right, welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast here on this Victory Tuesday, uh, Wednesday by the time you're hearing this. I'm John. I'm here with Pat and Brando, who are both at the game. This is a Buffalo Rumblings podcast, of course. You can find us on Twitter at NotBuffPodcast, but you already know that because we say it every time. Just kidding. We forget it all the time. But <laughs> gentlemen, how was the game? Did you have a good time? I mean, obviously, it was it was probably a party, but how did it compare to last year against New England? Like the perfect, because that's the last game that you guys were at, correct? Yes. Yeah, we, we were both at that game, right? We were both at the last, very last time. Interesting. You know what? Pam, you go first. You go first. Well, I think there are two beautiful experiences that, um, you know, it would be a shame to compare them both to each other. Um, that being said, you know what the craziest part I would say about the difference between this game and, and that game is? And I think... I was telling a um, friend of the show, Nate Nads, who went with me um, to the game, that I, I think at this point, after probably the last five weeks of NFL play that we've had from the Buffalo Bills, we've come to expect this from Josh. Like if Josh didn't throw for 320 yards and four touchdowns, we'd be like, is there something wrong with him? But like, I felt like, and this is no knock on Buffalo Bills fans, and I had a great time and I stayed until the end, but I felt like significantly more people stayed until the end of the game at the Pats game than did at this Titans game. Granted, I mean, that Josh wasn't playing, you know, at the end of this game, and he was at the end of, you know, the Pats game. But I did find that interesting, and the, the weather was a lot better. Um, it did seem like the stadium was packed out a little bit more as well, though I'm sure that just has to do with the fact that, you know, you could take a pee without it freezing. But um, I don't know. What did you think, Brando? <laughs> um, that I was just talking about this at the Megapod event at Resurgence on Saturday with one of our listeners. He's like, what got you into being a Bills fan? What's your best memory of being a Bills fan? What's your favorite game of being a Bills fan? And the first thing that came to mind was that playoff game uh, against New England. It was just perfect in every way between the highlight reel throws. It was a playoff game. Super Bowl expectations, crushing a rival that 
owned us for the last 20 years. Um, my my sister went to that game. That was fun. That night was awesome. Seeing we, you know, we got everybody that loved the team, loved the football. They went to that game. It was like the purest, pure form of joy. And now I know we've talked about it a little bit. The Bills are trendy. It's cool to like the Bills. It's trendy to like the Bills. And I think I've gone to eight openers, right? And this group of fans was the most different for any of my previous seven openers in different ways. But like Pat said, it was a different experience than the last time we were in the stadium, but it was still a ruckus party and it was loud. When he hurdled that guy on their first drive on third down, it got real loud, real fast. Yeah. Oh, that was insane. And it's just like, that's just commonplace. Like that was... Obviously, the hurdle over Anthony Barr uh, was like the highlight of the year for Josh in Minnesota, but he does that like two, three times a year now. It's it's just insane. The person behind me, when that play happened, summed it up about as well as anyone could sum it up. He just said, God, he's good. God, he is good. And I was like, that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much all you got to say, man. I, I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> Did you matter. see... Uh, just the way that he rolled over, stuck his hand into the ground and landed right at the line for the first down. Like he used that guy as leverage to get the exact distance that he needed. He's just, he's so smart. It's so calculated. It's so entertaining. It's so fun to watch. We're lucky to have him. And he's always had that crazy athleticism, but it's just like the decision-making, the spreading defenses. I mean, this year, I mean, Last year, it was like his arm, his form was kind of a focal point of the offseason with Jordan Palmer, right? Setting his feet and and some of that arm angle and getting his hip through first, kind of like a golf swing almost. But this year, it seems like the eye discipline has kind of been, maybe that's not the right word for it, but him moving linebackers with his eyes. They even mentioned it on the broadcast a little bit because Dan Orlovsky was on there, you know, after he ripped a huge fart in the, uh, the intro. I don't know if you guys saw that clip, but you should watch it. Did you put that on Twitter? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be yeah. my question to you, John, is how did the broadcast do? Because I had to watch the ESPN feed from our break room with no sound. And it was like 30 seconds delayed. So it's like you can hear the crowd. And it's like, oh, okay. What do you want to bet? Do you want to bet it's an interception? Do you want to bet it's a sack? Do you want to bet it's a fumble? Like what happens here? So I was a little disappointed with that. But I was curious to know how Dan Orlowski was on the call with Steve Levy. Lewis Riddick was Lewis Riddick there as well. Yep. Yep. Okay. He was there. It actually, I think Dan Orlovsky helped out a lot because he brings Gas. Um, <laughs> that and um, he just has a very analytical quarterback mind. And so he breaks down plays a lot better and is really good at explaining it to any kind of audience. So it's like, you know, you mean Pat or somebody who knows NFL defenses can get it, but he also puts it into terms where your average Joe watching the broadcast isn't going to be like, okay, why are they breaking down film right now? So that helped. He was pointing out a couple times, like that one time that Stefan Diggs kind of cut inside and Josh kept the safety outside and, and threw it to Diggs inside. Just like some of that insight is really helpful. And that's the stuff that Josh has been working on. Um, anyway, bringing this back to what I was saying like 30 seconds ago, Josh has always had his strengths and he's always been refining his strength, but really he just keeps bringing his floor up, you know, like the mistakes get less and less. And the, the higher the floor goes, the more Josh becomes elite. Cause he's always had that top end talent, that top end arm, his legs, his mobility, all that stuff has always been there. Um, but, the, but the bottom side, the downsides of Josh, the 
the fumbling, the bad decision making, all as all that gets less and less, he becomes more of the perfect quarterback. And he's definitely the most talented guy in the league, which is amazing to say that that we have that in Buffalo. And I multiple times throughout the game when I was watching, I had the thought like, this is this is just our reality now. Like we blow teams out, you know. That could have been the game of my life as a kid watching that. Like we got games like that maybe once a season. Like yeah. we think about the I'm thinking about like Minnesota overtime 2004, like when Drew Bledsoe, you know, won won the game for them in overtime. You know, it didn't happen that often. We, you know, we can count them on our hands. You know, EJ Manuel coming back against the Carolina Panthers. Or the Raiders <laughs> game too. That's what. Um, yeah. 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 So. Uh, not the Raiders game where they Doug Marone ended the season lost no, to a two no, and fourteen not, team and then or missed beating the playoffs. Peyton Manning's number twos after he broke the right. whatever <laughs> franchise mark for the Colts and they put the twos in and T.O. caught touchdowns in the snow. I mean, so comparatively speaking, right. I agree it was, it was a good time. Right. I, I, the other part with that, John, the stat blew my mind that this is the twentieth consecutive win by more than ten points. The last mm-hmm. time the Bills won a game by less than 10 was when Justin Zimmer punched the ball out of Cam Newton's hands. Um, that's, that's crazy. Where is Justin half, Zimmer? <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, he did not um, make the team this year. He was in He was in camp with them, I believe. Yes, yeah, as a free agent. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. But. Also recent news, Cole Beasley is no longer a free agent, uh, signing with the Tampa Bay practice squad. Uh, recent news too. So it's a good fit for him. Yeah. 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 It probably is. I mean, they're loaded at wide receiver, but they do have a lot of injuries. And then obviously with Mike Evans being suspended for a game, but Pat, you have Mike Evans in fantasy, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to find someone to sub in for him now because whatever he's badass and he doesn't take crap and from, you know, from anyone, but that was um, good. Whatever. I think that, sorry, Pat to cut you off. Um, totally worth one game suspension for what he did. I thought it was yeah, cool. Yeah. Like it was, he I, stepped up. I for remember. His guy. But he knew what he had to do. He's like, that's effing Tom Brady. I don't yeah, know if you saw you that, that clip. Yeah. And Bruce Arians is pushing him onto the field like, you know what to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, he beat the crap out do. of a guy for disrespecting Jameis Winston, too. So, I mean, the man is an animal. You kind of you want him on like your team, right? Like, 2017, maybe 2018. I remember him getting in a big brawl. Which is why he got suspended this time, because he's considered a repeat offender. It's still yeah. pretty hype. I mean, he did it in the classiest way possible. <laughs> like no one's making, no one's judging him for that. Like we're all no, on his side. Yeah. I don't like Marshawn Lattimore. He's sorry. Yeah, he's he's no, not I a good football you. player. Oh, that's probably also not true. But anyway, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of fantasy, speaking of fantasy. So the, Pat, you know what I'm going to say already. So I text well, I Pat, Josh Allen, and Stefan Diggs. Oh yeah, team. of course. So Pat beat me in fantasy this weekend by like 13 points or something like that. Right. So he had, he had, he has Josh Allen. So I'm totally fine taking that L when Josh Allen goes off. Right. Here's, here's where it's funny. Sunday morning. I look at Pat's lineup. Cause it's the, I look at the matchup. Pat's starting George Kittle still. And George Kittle is out this week, had a projection of zero. So I texted him. I was like, Pat, if you want to get your lineup set before like, you want, you want to sub out a tight end. This was before the, the, uh, the one o'clock window. Doesn't text me back. I don't hear anything. Still got a zero on there. Halfway through the earlier game, early games. Now, granted, San Francisco and LA played in the late window, so it didn't lock in until the late window. I texted him again. I was like, "Hey, you can just sub out your tight end on your bench, Higby from yeah, Los, Los Angeles, Angeles, right? Tyler Higby scores fourteen point one points. Guess how many points I lost by? Fifteen. 
13 and a half. Oh, oh man. <laughs> John showing some mercy, biting him in the butt. So, so I, I, I hope that this gets me some fantasy karma for the end of the season because I started the weekend projected to win all my matchups and then finished 0-3. Ouch. My other matchup was because Stefan Diggs went off. Yep. I lost by three points because of the bonuses on Stefan Diggs hitting over 150 yards or whatever. And in my other matchup, Gabe Davis, I all I only needed 13 points from Gabe Davis. And then obviously that all happened and I had no time to find somebody else. So I put in Khalil Shakir and obviously that did not get any points. So lost that one. It was, it was a tough weekend of fantasy, but you know, the good thing is like, who cares? The bills won. That's like true. that's, that's a number one. I'd be more mad if the bills lost and I won all my fantasy matchups, you know, it's funny. Cause me and Pat also had a nail biter in our league where I had Tyler Bass. Pat had Dawson Knox. I was up by four to start and Dawson Knox did not come through. He finished with eight points. Tyler Bass finished with 12. So I took the win in that one. Yeah. Oh, you got me this week in our, our friends league too, which is kind of sad. But and I got your yeah. dad too. I, I got your dad got in the my podcast. Dad too. Too. Yeah, Mike Senior. With how uh, did Mike Senior do this weekend? Did anybody see? I beat him. I played him. Yeah. Oh, with oh, Ryan Tannehill you had some, getting point eight eight. You saying you had some scrub running back or flex player that got like twenty four points? I don't know exactly what that would um, constitute. Michael but. Thomas, Darren Waller, Mike Williams, Tyreek Hill carried my team. Ryan Suckup. They were the ones that won. Ryan Tannehill, 0.88 from my starting quarterback. Wait, so not even not even a single point? Not even a single point. And 117 yards, two interceptions. So how are we, how we feeling about Tanny Wheels now? Well, you know what? I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like people don't understand Pat's semi-sarcastic love of Tannehill and that it's it's like we're not actually Tannehill fanboys. I wouldn't say I'm a Tannehill fanboy, but I'm I'm a Geno Smith fanboy. I'm a Teddy Bridgewater fanboy. I'm a Ryan Tannehill fanboy. Okay. I think that there is a place in the league for someone that's not incredibly talented, but also not the worst player in the league. And I think that in any sort of profession, from a human resources standpoint, anyone is, you know, who is able to perform their job to the best of their ability, regardless of how limited that role might be. And sometimes even if they don't perform the role, I think that it's it's only right to celebrate players that maybe aren't at the same talent level of the upper echelon of NFL players. That being said, I mean, it is a little bit of a joking, you know, whatever facetious take, but I did. You guys got to remember, I grew up with Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco. He might be elite. He might not be elite. You know <laughs> Joe what I mean? Flacco so seemed like, elite this weekend after their two-minute offense produced he 14 what is he, points. Is he in the top three in passing yards? He, I think he, he had 307, right, in four TDs? Nick Chubb, all he had to do is fall down after he got that first down. We're not even talking about it, but I mean, Jacoby Brissett, right. I'm also a fan of Jacoby Brissett because he's not amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> so that's just my take, you know, and it's hard because and hate all you want. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I would buy a Ryan Tannehill jersey. I thought it would be a great story if Ryan Tannehill wins the AFC South, which he can because that that division is a dumpster fire. But it's just like we're in a position now where we are so privileged we are incredibly privileged. My entire life, I've waited, I've prayed, I've envisioned, I've manifested this point in time where we have the best quarterback in the NFL. And if I wanna, if I wanna get a little deviant and support some quarterbacks that I know aren't talented like that in the least, then I think that's my parag because at the end of the day, I'm rooting for them because ultimately I know they're going to fail. And that that looming <laughs> suspicion that they're going to fail 
is kind of my drug because I think, what if it doesn't it. happen? What if it doesn't happen? You know, just like I'm rooting for Trent Edwards or JP Lossman. It's sort of a Stockholm syndrome type. Yeah, I was going to say it's like some leftover Stockholm syndrome yes. from the drought. Like, yes. I, dude, I love it. Like, we're breaking. This is not another psychology podcast right now. But is, I'm not saying I'm a complete good. fanboy, but I like him because I, I like to see poor players over exceed their expectations. Nice. It's a good way that, to put that's it. That's well summed up. Yeah. Well summed up. So hopefully. Hopefully people quit giving us flack on Twitter for that because they don't understand Pat's complicated humor. That's really not that complicated, but no. But I mean, even if I did love Ryan Tannehill, what's the deal? You know, right? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so right. All right, well, let's get a break in here before I forget. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I don't know if you guys watched any of the Dolphins game, the the Dolphins Ravens game this past Sunday. Watched the whole uh, thing. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna say you texted me for the link. Yeah, I was I was just watching Red Zone, so I saw the highlights. All of a sudden, you know, the score is competitive at the end. That was one of the crazier comebacks. I mean, and then we had the Jets too. Like it was just an insane weekend after a week one that was also insane. So. You know, I'm new to this whole red zone thing, yeah. but this witching hour that they talk about yeah. seems to be all that it's cracked up to be. It's so cool. If I'm being it's honest. It's so yeah. cool because it, they, they said it right there. He was like, last week at this time, we had five games change the course of the scoring, right? They had five, team, five games changed leads at this time last week, but it was really cool. Right. I was rooting hard for the Dolphins. I had a lot of Waddle. I have a lot of Hill and I have Tua as my backup fantasy quarterback in a league. Um, so Jesse, Pat and I both picked Baltimore in our game pick. So I thought we had that one in the bag I, for a second. I, I went on DraftKings and looked at the live sports book and I got Dolphins plus 11 at one point. And then I got Dolphins plus seven. And I was like, I, they didn't get, this was what was super interesting. I thought they had a really bad game plan, which the bills would eat up. Right. Because the way that the defense played, the Dolphins defense, the linebackers got exposed. The secondary got exposed. It looked like Xavier Howard dogged a pursuit. Like he took a terrible angle and didn't just slow down, let the guy score from Baltimore. And the way that Baltimore ran their play action passes at the goal line left. There was a play that Baltimore had a touchdown on that all four receivers for Baltimore were wide open. Like Lamar could have closed his eyes and threw the ball up and somebody from the Ravens was going to catch it. 
and on his long touchdown run as well. They had defensive breakdowns. This this whole game was filled with defensive miscues because that's how the Dolphins got back into the game. But then even on offense, Tyreek Hill had one catch for like 15 yards in the first half. They weren't using him. They weren't motioning him sideline to sideline. They were using Waddle more. But the offensive game plan looked stale and the defense looked totally unprepared until they finally come out of halftime and they're like, let's involve Hill. Let's get him in the ball. Let's get him to stretch the field. And they did it. Boom, boom, boom. Their defense finally got a couple stops and they just were able to come back. It was cool to watch. So let me ask you about this scenario. Say we go into next weekend and at halftime, we're looking at the same scenario, right? Because we always think of Mike Rabel as pretty good at in-game management, situational coaching and, and adjustments to, to a certain extent, right? And obviously that ended up getting them the win last year when they played the Bills. So say we go into the, the game, it's 17 to 7 Bills at halftime. Are we, how much more nervous are we feeling after that? Because I, I think that after 17 to 7 against the Titans, you knew that they weren't world beaters. They don't have an A.J. Brown who can just rip you up. They don't have a lot of stuff outside. Their strength, they were going to have to already go away from their strength after halftime, which is Derrick Henry. Uh, whereas Miami has a ton of speed. They are better, much better equipped to come back like they did. So how, how nervous do you feel coming out of halftime if you're up by, say, like 10 and uh, you know McDaniel's got some adjustments in hand? I'm nervous coming out of every halftime unless Josh Allen isn't playing and it's like we're up 56 to nothing so i think that that's kind of a <laughs> relative question but I, I mean i guess to your point though too it's kind of like you said i mean obviously the titans aren't world beaters and the other thing is the titans play best when they're ahead and like that point is kind of moot with the dolphins especially you know when you're talking about last week seeing how many points they can score in such a short amount of time that like you know I guess that would be my main thing it's like uh, for instance like i think in my mind sometimes too you forget how little time can come off the game clock when in reality a lot of time has passed like for instance from that whole sequence of so it would have been punting muffing the punt kicking the field goal stopping them again on defense was like probably in real time like 25 minutes but in game time probably like two minutes and 45 seconds so it's like yeah even taking that into consideration um there you know there's a lot of sequences that could happen very quickly. I don't know. I mean, also, I think that, well, I was watching a little bit of the game, but it didn't really look like they played any too high safety stuff either. So it'd be interesting to see how Tua does having to be a little bit more patient with it. So I don't know, but definitely yeah, scared. And Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely have to check on the status of Micah Hyde um, and make sure he's ready to go because he was a little bit banged up in this game. Obviously, with Dane Jackson out, most I'm I'm just assuming based on that head or neck injury that we haven't heard a ton about other than that he's okay. He has stuff in his extremities and he walked out of the hospital on his own. Do we feel nervous about the rookie corners going up against uh, Waddle and Hill? Or do you think that that's not as scary because of the safeties that we have? Because they, they did fine week one against the Rams. I mean, against Cooper Cub. I mean, Cooper Cub got his own and, and, and went over 100 yards, but... How's, how does that matchup feel? So can I just say something real quick about what Pat said on uh, the real-time adjustments? And like you said, so there is a drive. There's an 11-play, 75-yard drive that took... Oh, hang on. Let me get the exact number. It was an 18-play drive for 11 minutes that the Ravens were driving down on the Dolphins. And there was a review that the Dolphins... 
challenged because the Ravens did not get into the end zone and they had to come back out. So instead of being 14, nothing and kicking the ball off to Miami, Miami had a fourth and goal, which they got to stop and they stopped Baltimore. So instead of going up 14, nothing, Miami got the ball back down seven, nothing. And I think that could have even really changed the game just because that little moment, like you said, I mean, that 11 play drive for or 18 play drive for 11 minutes of game clock is huge. Whereas, like you said, the bills make these things happen. They force incompletions with their secondary, which keeps the game clock in their favor. It's not like Derrick Henry flipped the script on them this year where they run the clock out. They get the lead. The clock keeps ticking. The bills force teams into passing situations and they're able to get incompletion so they can stop the clock like that. But you get a team like Baltimore who can run a 18 play drive and chew 11 minutes off the clock, but not score. And Miami was able to change the whole tone, but it's crazy because they still got down by 21 points after that sequence. But just the way a little moment like that can flip the tide of the game, like back to what your question was, John, I think I'm not too worried about our, corners because they are dogs they're playing like dogs right now with their pass breakups the way that they can attack the ground game they're helping the linebackers out but it's really because of the safeties over the top Uh, they are so crucial to everything that the secondary does everything that this whole defense does whether they go line to safeties or safety down you know top down or bottom up they're solid but everybody has a role and they need to have Poyer and Hyde for this game, I think, for me to not be a little worried about the Dolphins' weapons. And I'll say this, too. like You don't even have to look at the defensive side. The reason why I feel that we're in a better position than Baltimore would have been when Miami is coming back, right? So Miami needs however many drives to come back from down 21, right? Like You need to score pretty much on three straight drives three once stops, you get into the fourth scores. quarter. Exactly. Yeah. And the three stops part, Baltimore is probably trying to run the ball. They're trying to run out the clock. We have seen Ken Dorsey in a situation where the Bills are up by a lot and they keep throwing the ball. They keep doing their strength. You know, they keep, they don't go away from how they move the ball best. And sometimes, you know, whether it was in the Kansas City game last year where they had these weird third and ones that they couldn't convert, that might be a little bit of an issue because we saw that. Yeah, it's, it's like we just, we can keep scoring points at will, it feels like. So hopefully that translates against Miami's defense. And uh, hopefully our pass rush can get home quite a bit more than Baltimore's did. Because I think that's a big difference in those drives as well. Like you said, the part about um, the adjustments and the play calling. I was thinking about this when it happened. The Dolphins were on maybe their 40-yard line down. It might have been the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. But it was like they needed two stops, two scores, or three stops, three scores. It was either two or three possession game. And they punted, but it was the exact same situation that the Bills were in when they were playing the Bucks on their game. And they they punted down three touchdowns. And that was the start of their run. They let the defense go out on the field and they stopped Brady. Then the Bills started coming back. And in my mind, both times, I was like, why are you doing this? Why would you not go for it? You're two yards, three yards short, and you're down that big on the scoreboard. But the coach 
thinks that they don't need this possession to win the game. They have three more possessions. It's just kind of like an arrogant coach move to be like, my offense is good enough to score in the next three in a row. So we don't need it right now. And I don't like that, but it proved to be right. Both of those times where they were able to get back into the game. But that's just that blend of the old school, new school mentality of, do you want the offense to carry you? Or do you want, you know, you don't want to lose the game by making decisions like that, which you could do if you don't pick it up and they score, you're done. Like it's the nail in the coffin. So you're really playing a life or death swing there and you got to risk it sometimes. But these two coaches didn't do that and it paid off for them. But the other part that I thought was interesting was within the game script. I think Tua threw the ball 40 something times, just like Josh has done previously. But um, we talk about in-game adjustments. This was from Thad Brown. Singletary's first carry went for 16 yards. And I had his over on the rushing prop. So I was like, cool, he needs one more of these and he's going to hit 29, the over that I bet. But then the next seven Bills runs went for as followed. Zero yards, two yards, zero yards, zero yards, zero yards, three yards, and negative five yards. And you know what happened after those next seven plays? Ken Dorsey made an adjustment and he called 20 straight passes and the Bills scored 17 straight points and buried the Titans. So it's good to see the recognition that our coaching staff can be like, this isn't working. We're not going to force it. Let's do what works and win this game. Yeah. It really felt good when Josh was under, under center and running play action, like those really deep, I don't know if it's a seven or a nine step drop, whatever it is, those really deep drops gave him enough depth to hit his back foot and hit his target in rhythm. It felt like even more so than shotgun for whatever reason, the pass protection when he was under center felt like he had cleaner pockets than a typical shotgun. And I'm sure that has to do with, you know, if you're in shotgun, if you're a defensive line, you're probably thinking past first for the most part. I mean, obviously you can run out of shotgun and all that, but whatever they were doing there, they actually came out in a lot of heavy sets. They were mixing up personnel like crazy. Whereas last year, I think it was just kind of like 11 personnel all the time, put Josh in shotgun and do your thing. And I think that they're still doing their thing, but they're doing it from run formations, which is cool. They're putting two tight ends out there. They had Reggie Gilliam and Quentin Morris out there on the same play. I saw Bobby Hart out there on the first drive. Who is now suspended for the NFL for one game due to his really? actions in the post game. I, I did not hear it about just this. Happened. At it just happened. It just came back. Legend. Oh my gosh. I just got the ESPN notification too. Ding, ding. Throwing at a uh, throwing a punch at an opponent after game versus Titans. Oops. All right. Well, Bobby, do better, man. Um, John, with what you said <laughs> about the play action, my favorite play of this was the first touchdown of the season to Gabe Davis. I watched this from the all 22 back. And if you watch Josh's handoff for the play action, I think it's the Singletary to a run left and you have Diggs. I don't even think Diggs is on the field because you're in a heavy set, but you have Davis running this little short post pattern to the pylon wide open. So Josh reaches out. But if you look at the defense, everybody on the defense, all three linebackers for the Rams and the safety take two steps to the running back, leaving Davis so wide open. He could have stuck his hands out and caught it with his eyes closed, which he did and walked in for the touchdown. But having that wrinkle of just they think Singletary has been good enough 
for people to respect him out of the backfield with his elusiveness and his motor, right? Motor Singletary to pick up four, five, six yards on a carry uh, to let these receivers get some breathing room when Josh sells it the way that he does. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people were clamoring for Devin Singletary to be taking more carries, which I think is fair because some of these other guys, and again, like it's, it's not just the back, it's the blocking. It's all that stuff. Zach Moss had like one nice run. Um, Obviously James Cook didn't get anything going until he had that nice run in the third quarter where Deion Dawkins just about killed a man on the outside. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I'd like to see more Singletary out of out of some of those carries. I think that he brings the most as far as cuz he's the he actually is very good at making the first guy miss, not necessarily the second or the third guy, but there was a couple of times where one guy got loose in the backfield and he'd be able to sidestep and at least take a loss back up to the line of scrimmage and and make some of those quick, you know, dead leg cuts in the in the middle of, you know, when you're surrounded by people, so and he runs hard north and south and he doesn't you know, beat around the bush or anything like that. So I, I would like to see more of Singletary in those runs. Um, but again, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that that's the key to their success or, you know, it's going to be any different. Well, if you can get five yard passes consistently completed to Diggs and seven yard outs to Davis and Dawson, Knox, it's like, that's your running. That's that, running you don't game. need a running yeah, game. If you can game. do that. I was, I was very surprised. I don't think that most teams will have that lack of adjustments. I was surprised because the Titans are usually pretty good about that. But again, I think it was probably because they have a bunch of young corners and uh, in an effort to not get beat deep, they just kept getting beat deep and playing off coverage and all this stuff. But it was a, it was a formal beatdown, So it's fun to watch. I'm sure it was fun to be there for you guys. Too. I will say this is where I'm going to, uh, I don't want to sound like a girl old man, get off my yard kind of guy, but I know Pat had an awesome time. Our buddy Nate had an awesome time. Everybody I ran into had a pretty good time as an employee for the first time in eight years. I said, this game was different and it felt different. I think it felt like the fans that were there, there was a big mix between the people that wanted to watch football and were there for Josh Allen and for yeah, people that thought it was Woodstock 99. Yeah. And people, I think kind of changed in the sense that they want other people to know that they're at the game and that they're getting drunk and that they're jumping through tables and that they're crazy. Like they want other people to know. So the whole thing is like these dudes are shotgunning, but it's all on Snapchat, right? Their phones are there and they're hammering beers. And this guy was walking on us, staring down at his phone, like runs into me. And it was like my fault that he runs into my wheelchair. And like every, everything was about, you know, the bills are trendy. I keep saying that everything seemed to me more, um, I don't even know a superficial, like there was a bunch of people there that were not there for the reasons that the majority of the crowd normally is there for. Um, so Bill's mafia, I know we have the best fans in the world, but if you're going to show up to a stadium, you know, follow the procedures, follow the rules. There are so many people that got arrested last night. So many people that were disrespectful and just plain out rude to other employees. Um, you know, we went through a lot of time, when we're at this stadium and there's 30,000 people there and all 30,000 people there are the nicest human beings in the world. Cause they're there for football. Um, so coming into this was interesting. I did not feel well about my experience for the first time ever until me and Pat were walking out and we met an awesome guy who, who hopped in my wheelchair and I had a great time with. So not everybody's bad, right? There's always a couple of bad apples, but if you're going to a game, 
you're representing Bill's Mafia. Go for the right reasons. You know, you, we, the whole world doesn't need to see you slug beers and and like you're you're not getting any clout because you came to a Bills game, right? It's we're all there to watch football, to enjoy each other's company, have a good time. Just don't be don't be stupid. Don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. Right. As Marv Levy would say, play clean, play smart, you know, go, go clean, have a good time, be smart. So that's my rant. That's all I got. Sorry to be the old man to get <laughs> off my lawn, but that, I, I felt obligated to say that having a platform of people that listen to go, that go to Bill's games. So dude, you're good. You're good. Pat, you got some quotes for us, man. Yeah, I got some quotes. Or a quote, um, a quote. I just want to say too, um, as I was watching the game, there are some drunk guys behind me who had some very great dialogue where like every time Josh Allen would throw a touchdown pass, they would say, well, you know, Tua would have thrown two by this point. <laughs> well, you know, Tua would have been up by 86 points instead of 35 points by this point. So um, I thought that, <laughs> that that was some pretty funny dialogue. Um, anyways, this is a Von Miller quote, and um, we want you to know if you can guess who he's talking about. I thought you just gave us the answer. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) it has happened before. I think he has it in him. He's shown it before. He's shown that he is a franchise player. He's just got to stay healthy. That's in the name of the game for everyone. If he comes back healthy and strong, this team should be in good shape at this position. Von Miller talking about a former teammate. I think he has it in him. He's shown it before. He's shown that he is a franchise player. He's just got to stay healthy. That's the name of the game for everybody. If he comes back healthy and strong, the blank team should be in good shape at blank position. It's a college teammate. Currently still in the NFL. Okay, but he's not on the Bills. Like We're not talking Trey White or prospective Bills like Oda Beckham. No. Okay. All right. He went to Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. Is he talking about Johnny Manziel? No, I, I kept telling you, he didn't play with Johnny oh, Manziel. Oh, I remember you said that. I forgot you said that a couple times. All right, Texas A&M. All right, so somebody who's coming, who's injured right now. Well, this was, the uh, quote is from 2018, I believe. Oh, okay, all right. Towards this player's end with his the team that first drafted him. As this player being hurt ultimately ended in him being cut from his second contract with the team that drafted him. Interesting. Players, players still in the league. Played this past week. Started this past week. Really? Yep. Offense or defense? Offense. You're not talking Robert Woods? No. Texas oh. A&M teammate. Um, yeah, see, I don't know colleges, Pat. You just got to accept that Bobby, Bobby, Trees, some... Bobby Trees, USC Trojans. Um, okay. Let's see here. I'll, I'll try to remember that. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit more information. Any uh, position? Hang He's on. talking about a player that was on the Dolphins at the time. Former Von Miller teammate that was on the Dolphins and played at Texas A&M during Von's senior year in 2010. Ryan Tannehill. This play, Ryan it's Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. It Ryan is. Tannehill. Come on. I had to give the boy a shout out. Uh, I'll read you the full quote right now. Just so, um, and this is from Von Miller. I had to think about that. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Von Miller. I think he has it in him. 
He's shown it before. He's shown that he's a franchise quarterback. He's just got to stay healthy. That's the name of the game for everyone. If he comes back healthy and strong, the Dolphins should be in good shape at quarterback. Well, he was wrong. He was wrong. <laughs> but figured I'd just get that tanny love in there one more time for the boys. But nice. Um, nice. I love it. All right. Well, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at NatBuffPodcast. Looking forward to it. We got Brando's bets and game picks coming up on Friday. When we do our game picks on Friday and we cover all of the action around the NFL, it's an action-packed day because the NFL is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win, and you get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everybody can boost their winnings with DraftKings. DraftKings step-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter... You can throw down on our stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code NABP, not another Buffalo podcast, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code NABP. That stands for not another Buffalo podcast. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I won some money on DraftKings last night. That was pretty fun. That's cool. So did I. I actually, I used their stepped up same game parlay. And so it's basically the more legs you add, the bigger boost you get. Yeah. And so the max is if you have 10 legs to a parlay, you get a hundred percent boost, right? So how many legs do you think I have in this parlay? 19 10 10 oh. <laughs> always 10 like just max out the bonus yeah. and so anyway two of the legs were voided because gabe davis was out so if you put like a gabe davis touchdown in your parlay and he all of a sudden is not active it just gets voided so my odds were reduced so it technically was only an eight leg hit but you hit pretty good and then yep i nice. hit an eight legger and a four legger nice so it's good. Uh, one of my coworkers Tanny, used our coach. Tanny today. throwing two interceptions was the last leg. Defensive so. scoring or two picks? Listen, Tanny, Tanny is here for the boys. Defensive touchdown? No, I oh, didn't bet a defense. That, defense that's kind of a long touchdown. shot. Nice. Um, and then one of my coworkers used our code today, NABP, for DraftKings. So that was cool. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. This very quickly turned from a 25 minute episode to a 43 minute episode. And we okay. didn't think we, we had enough to talk about. I know, right? That always happens that way. Anyway, we'll see you guys on Friday, and uh, go Bills. Go Bills.